What's happening, guys? These podcast downloads are continuing to break records every month because of you. I appreciate that. And please do rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Be awesome. I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie if you do it. Screenshot me and email me, Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, a picture of your review and your rating, and I'll get that in the mail literally right away. You have the koozie for the weekend to watch the Open Championship. What more do you need? Maybe not that soon, but you'll get it soon, I promise. All right, guys, enjoy the show. Thanks for downloading it. Safeties drop really deep. Handoff Sermon over the left side. Big hole, 30. First down, 25-20. Breaks a tackle, 15-10-5. The minister is into the end zone. Breach. Mason takes the ball, fakes a handoff, fires over the middle. It's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone. He juggled it for a moment, but got it back. Pistols firing. Touchdown, Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman. There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line. Jesse, 25-20, 15-10-5 to the goal line. Touchdown, 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score. Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horn Frogs now go up 13-7 to advance. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Got to be honest, in many ways, I thought this day uh, was, was never going to come. I didn't think we'd get to the point where we would be just days away from Big 12 media days and able to be happy about it, excited about it, talk about it, and all that good stuff. Well, welcome on in, Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. It's always great to be here, and, you know, we are on the horizon. Now, for us, it'll be the third straight year we are covering Big 12 media days, and we are excited about that. We're going to have our full staff, four guys, well, four of the five. Cam Brock can't join us down in Frisco, Texas, or up in Frisco, Texas, depending on where you are for Big 12 Media Days, and we're excited about it. I mean, we are going to have coverage through the roof, not just doing um, written stuff, but going to have Facebook Live videos, periscopes, all those good things. So if you don't follow us on Facebook or Twitter, go find us there, Instagram as well, Heartland College Sports, and uh, we're looking forward to a, a great couple of days down in North Texas. And I was thinking about last year's Big 12 Media Days and, and the difference – from 2017 to 2018. And in many ways, 2017 was kind of a rebirth for this conference. First off, we were not talking about conference realignment at Big 12 Media Days for the first time in a long time. And that's an enormous positive. And that's what I thought made last year so special. We were talking about these 10 teams getting ready for the upcoming season. There was none of this conference realignment nonsense. It was not being discussed. And that was good for the Big 12. And that was something that I thought, okay, I'm looking at this conference. I'm trying to figure out where its future is. And I feel like it's solid, but we had a lot of new faces. And we had a lot of new names. And by that, I mean we had three new head coaches in the conference. When you have 30% of your head coaches being new guys and new faces, that adds an element to the conference that people you know, aren't sure how it's going to play out. So those new guys, of course, were Matt Rule at Baylor, Tom Herman at Texas, 
And then let's not forget Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. You know, the shocking retirement of Bob Stoops. So, and also on top of that, two of those head coaches were at your power brand name schools. And you guys that aren't necessarily OU and Texas fans, and I get that. I don't have a team that I pull for more than the others. I just love this conference. You're going to say that doesn't matter. I'm sorry it does. When your flagship schools are the ones that are turning over their head coaches, that's a big deal. And it felt like the Big 12 was kind of missing a, a face with Bob Stoops being gone especially. You know, you look around the conference, and I, I love Bill Snyder, but he's too old to be the face of your conference. Uh, Mike Gundy's great, a little goofy. Gary Patterson, really serious, really sharp. I mean, when he talks, people listen. But TCU's not a staple or a brand name program in the country. It's just, it's not. I'm not sure it ever can be simply based on its enrollment numbers and its size, history, all those different things. Hell of a program, but can it ever be a blue blood? Probably not. So you're looking for that. And Tom Herman and Lincoln Riley could not be those guys in year one. They both can be, especially Tom Herman. You know, Tom Herman's a prickly character. We all know that. He's either in a really good mood or a really bad mood. Uh, That seems to be how it is with this guy. If he does end up turning Texas around, if he does bring Texas back to national relevancy, then he will be somebody that will be an explosive and fantastic soundbite uh, for this conference and for the Big 12, for the Texas Longhorns, for everybody involved. Tom Herman's going to be great for the conference if he can win. That's the big thing, if he can win. Charlie Strong never had that personality. Charlie Strong was not going to be the guy and did not want to be the guy that was going to be the face of anything. He wanted to be a football coach. And that was Charlie Strong's problem from the get-go. You can be a football coach at Louisville. You can't just be a football coach at Texas. You cannot. And as for Lincoln Riley, we saw this last year. Lincoln Riley was... I mean, he was an awful soundbite. I'm sorry. A great head coach from what we saw in year one, but he was a bad soundbite. He was bland. He was boring. He was full of cliches. And that's fine. His job's to win games. And he certainly did that last year, winning another Big 12 championship, getting to the college football playoff. Should have gotten to the national championship had it not been for that second-half debacle, not just on the field but on the play-calling department as well. But that's a conversation for another day. But now that these guys each have a year under their belts, on top of that, you look at Matt Rule, another year under his belt. There's reason for optimism in Waco. Matt Campbell's coming off a fantastic year with this Iowa State Cyclones team. There's reason to feel good about what's going on there. Mike Gundy, a third straight 10-win season. Gary Patterson's doing his thing. Uh, You go up and down this conference list, And you feel good about the group of coaches that you got here. You you do, and you should. And what the phrase was last year that was being used is this is a great young group of head coaches, right? I mean, think about it. You go from Riley uh, to Campbell to Herman to Rule. All these guys early early 30s, mid 30s to early 40s. And it's fantastic. Throw in Cliff Kingsbury, even though it feels like he's an old man since he's been around the block so long. But it's all it's same idea, same concept. And now that these guys are a year older, they're, they're in many ways growing together, maturing together. That's only going to help improve the strength of the Big 12. 
And that's what I'm so excited about, seeing the continuity in this conference. You know, you have all 10 coaches back for a second straight year. That's a big deal. Now, that might not be the case in 2019. i got to be honest, depending on what happens in, um, in Lawrence and also in Lubbock. But for right now, you look around this conference and you feel like eight of the 10 coaches, in, no matter what happens this year, even Baylor, no matter what happens this year, eight of the 10 coaches are in very solid ground and are likely to be here again in 2019. And not many coaching staffs or not many conferences can say that about the coaching staffs that they're bringing to the table. I mean, the SEC overturns or turns over half its conference every year. It's, it's comical in many ways. It is. But the Big 12 is not like that. So I'm looking forward to media days. I, I can't wait for it to get here in just a, a few short days down in Frisco, Texas. And looking forward to being part of that for a... Another year as Heartland College Sports gets ready for year number four is what we are entering, and it's it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. Now we have the schedule here for what this uh, the Big 12 Media Days are going to look like. The first day, the five teams featured on Monday are going to be TCU, Kansas, Texas Tech, Iowa State, and Oklahoma. On day two, it's going to be West Virginia, Texas, Baylor, Kansas State, Oklahoma State few things on the order. First off, you kick things off on Monday with TCU. Coach Patterson, get you revved up, get your juices going on an, or a Monday morning. Great way to kick things off. Texas, number two, listen, you get them out of the way. You can't put them first. So that's the right place for Texas to be. Texas Tech third, Cliff Kingsbury. You know, you have the two coaches back-to-back on the hot seat. One, two, boom. Matt Campbell and Lincoln Riley wrap up the morning for the press conferences before you know you have all your breakout sessions and whatnot and I think that's a great way to end day one now Matt Campbell's another guy I'd love to see you get it just get a little more out you know just a little little more a little more personality at times you know you see the personality of Matt Campbell when he's doing those post-game speeches after beating teams like Oklahoma and TCU I just want it just a little bit of that just a little bit is that too much to ask now, day two, you get West Virginia and Texas kicking things off. Holgerson, Herman, Rule uh, with Baylor, then Bill Snyder, and then Mike Gundy to wrap, uh, wrap things up on Tuesday. What's interesting to me about Texas is that each coach brings, you know, three or four players, right? Texas is not bringing a quarterback. Now, we know that they are in a quarterback battle between Bouchel and um, Ellinger, but I, I certainly thought that for a second— Herman might bring one of those quarterbacks. If nothing else, they've been around the block. They spent a lot of time under center. I mean, Shane Bouchelle is a guy who would have played, you know, he's played in a couple straight seasons now. now. He's not the starter, but he's gotten a lot of experience under his belt. And Tom Herman's leaving both his quarterbacks at home. In fact, he's not bringing a single skill position guy. Bringing Andrew Beck as tight end. I'm not counting him as a skill position at tight end. I'm not going to do it. Brecken Hager. Chris Nelson, and Patrick Vahey. Is it Vahey or Vahey? Whatever. You get him right on the O-line. The big old boy should be an all-Big 12 player. But no skill position and no quarterback for Tom Herman that he is bringing with him down to uh, Frisco or up to Frisco, Texas. Now, Kansas State is bringing a quarterback. In fact, Kansas State's bringing both quarterbacks. And that, to me, is pretty surprising. I did not believe that Bill Snyder 
would want to expose both his quarterbacks to this type of an event like Big 12 Media Days. I figured he'd leave them both at home because now they're each going to be getting questions about each other, essentially. That seems very um, not like Bill Snyder to do something like that and create that kind of an environment. But at the same time, you know what that tells me? That tells me that he has incredible amount of confidence in both these guys, not just as players, but as professionals and in terms of how they're going to answer their questions and what they're going to be asked. Also, you got to love this story. If I told you a year ago we'd be getting ready for Big 12 Media Days in 2018 and Matt Campbell will be bringing his quarterback and he's a sixth-year senior by the name of Kyle Kempt, would you believe it? Uh, would you? I wouldn't. No way. Uh, what what a hell of a story. And David Montgomery is going to be there as well. He's a guy who uh, was not there last year. Looking forward to talk to him. So we are going to have all this coverage on our Facebook page, on our website, on our Twitter page. Just search Heartland College Sports. Find us there. And we are going to take you through an awesome, awesome couple of days in Frisco, Texas for Big 12 Media Days. Well, no shortage of news in the Big 12. And Kansas has its athletic director. What's the deal? Can Jeff Long actually turn around this football program? And what is the next step for David Beatty? Will he get a 2019 season? We'll talk about that and much more coming up right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Now, on a total side note, did you hear that they might actually be canceling SEC Media Days? Yeah, they, they might be doing it. I, I swear, Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, great to uh, be with you as always, as we are days away from Big 12 Media Days. Yeah, they might be canceling SEC Media Days because uh, Paul Feinbaum might not be able to show up. Yeah, a little bit of sarcasm there in my voice if you're not catching on. But uh, Paul Feinbaum, a report this week, he is expected to be at SEC Media Days because we all thought that they might have to cancel the entire event if Paul Feinbaum couldn't show up. I, I was totally shocked by this. Yeah, what's going on is Feinbaum is now in a negotiation with ESPN because he's ticked off. His contract was not extended earlier. His deal is up at the end of July. And there have been reports that he might go to the Big Ten Network, which was possibly the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why? You know, as someone that works in radio um, and media full time, I'm right now doing a morning show in Kansas City in radio. I used to work in Oklahoma at K101 Radio and Z92. In between there, I worked uh, in New York at CBS Sports Radio, Sports Illustrated, Fox. I mean, all these different places I've worked before. And it's amazing to me, the people that run these operations are oftentimes some of the biggest idiots in the business. I hate to say it, but it's true. And why someone at Fox would think that Paul Feinbaum would work at the Big Ten Network makes no sense to me or anyone at the Big Ten Network. And I know there's partnerships there with Fox. That's why I bring Fox into the mix and into the conversation. But why you think that you'd want to hear Paul Feinbaum's callers or why Big Ten fans would be tuning into Paul Feinbaum to hear his callers from Tuscaloosa and Birmingham, Alabama makes no sense to me at all. I mean, Feinbaum's a perfect fit for the SEC network. 
Leave him on there. That's where he belongs. The guy's a national brand name, yes, because of, you know, how he, to his credit, built up that radio show in Alabama in the SEC and became the voice of SEC football and became a regionally syndicated guy in the whole thing. But let's not pretend like the guy in Ann Arbor, Michigan, is dying to hear Paul Feinbaum's takes on the uh, Michigan Wolverines. They're not. Neither is the guy in Columbus, Ohio. Because here's the other thing about Paul Feinbaum. Yes, he's a um, he's an encyclopedia in many ways on the SEC. But he, he, he when's the last time Paul Feinbaum said something that you were like, wow, that was a really strong, well-thought-out, intelligent, incredibly coherent, and uh, impressive opinion? No. Uh, Feinbaum may be a great guy, but he's made by his callers. And he's that, that's who made Paul Feinbaum. Not Paul Feinbaum. He goes on there, he lets his callers scream and yell, and then he has on guests. I mean, that's kind of the show. He can't sit there and talk to you for you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes on end and give you different and unique opinions on items of the day. He, he doesn't really do that. He can't do that. But thank goodness SEC Media Days is still going to go on. I thought they were going to shut down the whole darn thing because Feinbaum couldn't show up. So uh, God willing, that will go on as planned. Well, Jeff Long is now the new AD at Texas, and amazingly this is a guy who is now in charge of turning around the worst football program at the power five level and it's not even really a contest when you look at not just the record not just three and 33 but you also look at different things like the analytics behind it all right the uh, money ball numbers that guys are using in every sport Uh, kansas is I don't, you know, it's kind of a reverse way to say this, but head and shoulders above the rest in terms of how bad they are on the football field right now. And it's not good for the Big 12 either because if you're going to be a 10-team conference, right, you want it to be a very deep league. And it is a very deep league. All the way up through, you could say one through nine. Texas Tech is probably the ninth team in the conference right now, at least on paper. But then you start going up to eight. I mean, who's who's eighth right now in your mind in the Big 12? Is it Iowa State? Is it Baylor? I, You know, you probably say Baylor coming off a one-win season. But if Baylor wins six, seven games this year, I'm not going to be shocked at all. I'm not going to be stunned one bit. So you want to be deep one through ten if you are a ten-team league. And the Big 12 is incredibly deep. But, man, that tenth team is garbage. And that's something that's got to get improved. And, You know, I keep thinking that David Beatty, I don't think he makes it past 2018. I don't even know if he makes it all the way through 2018. I I just feel like Jeff Long, if things get ugly really fast, he'll cut the cord because once he cuts the cord, then he can uh, more or less officially start that search. But I do wonder, and I just wish I had a crystal ball to say to myself, if David Beatty hung on for two more years, would this thing actually start to turn around? I'm not sure I'm willing to wait that long to find out, but with how badly this program was decimated by you know, the likes of people like Charlie Weiss, who thought that every JUCO in America was going to help turn around his program and was lazy in recruiting and did nothing to actually uh, steer the ship in the right direction, with how decimated this team was, uh, is it possible that Beatty simply just had to essentially be the fall guy who is going to come here and at least get the scholarship numbers back up and at least 
not to say the program's back on its feet, because it's not. It actually was doing better under Weiss. But take it from ground zero and just start inching in the right direction, but then essentially be the fall guy for whoever was going to come in next and really help get true respectability back to this program in terms of getting wins on the field. I just wonder if David Beatty ends up being that guy. And, you know, he's going to have made a few million bucks. I'm not going to feel bad for him. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. But he does seem like a damn good guy. And I'll tell you what, I came away feeling this way last season at Big 12 Media Days. For somebody that's been as, uh, somebody that's been through as rough a couple of seasons as David Beatty, man, you don't get much more optimistic than that guy. You really don't. He is the king of optimism. He does a fantastic job staying upbeat. And we'll see if Jeff Long feels any differently once he gets going. But I uh, think Jeff Long was a good hire because he was the face of the college football playoff as the committee chair for a couple of years. Everything he hears that this guy has an enormous amount of respect around college football circles. And that is exactly what Kansas needs right now. And they are going to have to overpay for their next head coach. There's just no two ways about it. Well, coming up, which Big 12 coach do I want to show some cojones and show some balls at Big 12 Media Days? I'll tell you who next. Well, we got a few more minutes, and I want to uh, get into just the final thoughts ahead of Big 12 Media Days, and, and especially what I just mentioned and what I had discussed about Dana Holgerson with Derek Duke in our conversation earlier on the show. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. By the way, guys, we have our shop that is going to be launching soon, so find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Just search Heartland College Sports, and we'll have all the information for you there coming up here in the next uh, few days. But Dana Holgerson... The one thing about Dana Holgerson, and I love him. I have met him uh, when I worked at Sports Illustrated. He was in for a shoot, and gosh dang, he's just a guy you want to kick back with, have a beer with, uh, enjoy life with, and just talk life with. He's an awesome, awesome guy. But I often wonder if he has that kind of killer instinct that the great head coaches have. I'm just not sure he has it. And this is the year. This is the media days, I want to see him have it. I want to see him say, yeah, we expect to win the Big 12 title. We got the best quarterback in the league. We got the best offense in the country, maybe the best quarterback in the country. We think our defense can hold up and we expect to be playing in Arlington and winning a Big 12 title. And maybe if everything clicks, uh, making a college football playoff. That's what I want to hear. You know, two years ago, this team won 10 games with Skylar Howard at quarterback. Skylar Howard, I'm sorry. There's high school teams that would say no thanks to Skylar Howard right now, CFL teams. Now you got a Heisman contender at quarterback, and, and you hope if, if this offense was with the defense of 2016 at West Virginia, I mean, forget it. That was a hell of a defense that Tony Gibson had. He got himself a big raise, and then he crapped out last year. So he's got to pick up the pace a little bit on that side of the ball, but I want to see Dana Holgerson coming out and just shooting bullets and firing at people and saying, yeah, we're going to win and having that confidence, not kind of like that – Uh, laid-back, cool, hey-dude, surfer mentality that is fine, and he's had an enormous amount of success with it, but just that little extra I would love to see at Big 12 Media Days this year. I I would love to absolutely see that. 
I'm also intrigued by what Mike Gundy has in store because, you know, last year he came in with the Big 12 championship expectations, didn't meet them. In fact, their season was essentially over by early November when it came to the Big 12 title uh, because of that loss to Oklahoma and Bedlam. But I'm intrigued to see how he is and just, you know, with the turnover that he's dealing with, what the expectations are internally for that program. That's going to be very, very intriguing to me as we go through Tuesday, which is when the Cowboys address the media. Now, we do have new odds. New odds have come out for the Big 12, and Oklahoma is better than a five or a better than a one to one favorite. That means right now, you have to put down $7 to win $5 on the Sooners to win the Big 12 championship. I mean, that's crazy. You lose a Heisman contender, that tells me that Las Vegas does not have much respect for the guys that are sitting around this conference and the rest of this conference. Yes, I know they love OU, and that's a big part of this, and there's no doubt that from a talent perspective, especially these past couple of classes that Lincoln Riley and the end of the Bob Stoops tenure put together, there was a phase there over the last few years when OU was not recruiting at a very high level by OU standards. I mean, the team was ranked between 10 and 20. OU should be in that 5 to 10 range year in, year out when it comes to recruiting. They've gotten that the last couple of years. This is not, it's, yes, it's a testament to what OU has done, but just as much as anything else, this tells me that there is not a lot of respect or belief in the other teams around this conference right now. And Texas has the second best odds, and they don't even know who their quarterback is. Now, Texas and Tom Herman will probably tell you on Monday, well, you know what, we got two quarterbacks. What's the old saying? When you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks? Texas has no quarterbacks. Yes, I believe Sam Ellinger can be a good Power 5 quarterback. Did I see last year what I thought was the makings of the next Sam Darnold? I did not. I could be proven wrong. I mean, he was a true freshman playing behind an offensive line that was uh, beaten down and not great at times. No doubt about that. No question about that. But I also didn't see a guy who was like, you know, I didn't see Charlie Brewer. I see the ceiling for Charlie Brewer at Baylor being much higher than the ceiling for Sam Ellinger. You know, Charlie Brewer was dealing with a makeshift offensive line, uh, banged up parts on the outside left and right, couldn't get the running game going. But I saw a guy that has a higher potential than Sam Ellinger. I might be proven wrong this year, but that's what I saw. TCU has the third best odds at 6-1, to one, and they lost, what, 20 seniors from last year's team? Still, the Mountaineers are 8-1 to one, tied with Oklahoma State, and I, I am confused by the Oklahoma State love. I am. If you want value, just pure value, I'm not saying they're going to win it, but West Virginia 8-1 to one is solid value. Then there's a big drop. Iowa State and Kansas State at 25-1, to one, You know, it wouldn't be crazy to throw a few shekels on that if you're feeling lucky as a fan of the Cyclones or a fan of the Wildcats. I know K-State might be a year away. You know, 2019 might be their year. But, you know, if you feel like you got the juices going and you're looking for a value bet, that's where your value is this year in the Big 12. It's on Iowa State and it's on Kansas State at 25 to 1 odds to win the Big 12. That's, That's where that is. So... I'm intrigued by these numbers. After that, you have Texas Tech at 40 to 1, Baylor at 80 to 1, and Kansas at 100 to 1. And I, you know, you want to talk about wasting money. 
you'd have to get me to a thousand or probably ten thousand to one to have any value in Kansas winning the Big 12. I mean, that's how unrealistic and and unlikely it is. It's just it's not going to happen. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Big 12 Media Days. We'll be covering it for you top to bottom. You don't want to miss it Monday and Tuesday. Of course, we'll talk to you next week, same time, same place, right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right. Thanks, as always, for being a part of the show, guys. It's because of you that this thing is literally growing every day. I mean, we are getting more and more downloads by the day, by the week, by the month. It's because of you. I thank you uh, so much for that. And if you haven't, just subscribe, rate, review. I would really appreciate that. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you next week after Big 12 Media Days. Also, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep posted on what's going on at Big 12 Media Days. We'll be up to date 24-7 there in Frisco, Texas. Aaron.